We met on the gram, became instant BFFs, and we're two girls here to empower women to be self-reliant. Hey, I'm Amy, founder of Alexo Athletica. And I'm Emily, the creator of Stami Tactical. And we are Not, Not Your, Your Average, Average Gun, Gun Girls. Girls. We're calling on our friends, industry insiders, and speaking to people about major moments in their lives. We talk guns, personal safety, share lifestyle tips, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your vav because you, you can, can sit with, with us. to another episode of Not Your Average Gun Girls. We are happy to have our friend Bree Michael Warner with us, aka Tactical, awesome firearms instructor, and what I like to say now is a Hollywood conservative. Yes, a rare breed. Yes, uh, yes. yes. far uh, and few between, yes. but I think there are a lot more a that rare, are positive. spoken breed. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. I think, yeah, most of them, if they do exist, they kind of live under a rock very quietly. Yeah. Well, you know, don't, they yes. don't want to lose those jobs and that paycheck. It, yes, and that is a very real thing, unfortunately. It is. A, it's a yeah. very I mean, yeah, real we all got to live and pay our bills. <laughs> How do you balance it? I mean, you're very vocal about I mean, it kind of started out with like the firearm thing, but you've yep. even gotten more vocal about like your political yep. beliefs too. And you're still working. I mean, you're still in the industry. I think I credit that to working. I, I, I work independently, but I also do work with a company and I work th with them pretty consistently. And I think it has a lot to do with crediting them and their, their openness. Mm -hmm. um, I think I always go back to, they knew me before firearms became a thing in my world. So I think they already had gained that kind of respect for me as mm -hmm. a person. Yeah. So it kind of, that supersedes whatever differences mm -hmm. we might have politically. But I think honestly, that's the key. Like I, I will say hundred yeah. percent, like on the, on the acting side of things, once I became more open and vocal, especially on social media, and I, I unfortunately made the mistake of having my agents be friends on social media. It wasn't the best career move probably, but there was definitely, I could mm -hmm. feel this sort of unspoken, like, oh, she, we're just going to put her yeah. over there. But on the, on the behind the scenes, when I do more of like the producing line, producing mm -hmm. accounting mm -hmm. stuff, that world, I think they, those folks, they've known me before any of this. So yeah. like. They don't care. Now, I also, at the same time, I, I, I like to think that I at least carry myself well on social media and I might have strong opinions, but I also, I'm not so hard headed that I'm not willing to have a discussion. For or, sure. So I think that's also makes that, a difference. Yeah, There's a important. finesse in, yes. in how you do it. And I think, you know, you're like the, like, like old school acting, like when you had to rely on agents to find your jobs, yeah. casting, the casting yeah. process and all of that. I mean, like we're kind of in a day and age now that it, it does cater a little bit more to those who lean more conservative, yeah. especially if you are going to come out as like pro firearm or yeah. pro any of these other conservative yeah. beliefs. It's like, there are other avenues now when it's back then you had to rely yeah. on, I guess the Hollywood machine to get jobs, but now you can you create your own content. There's so many platforms yeah. that you can do. You don't have to just rely on that. And then you're seeing other things like gun TV. Yeah. That's, that's how we yeah, met each other. Exactly. Like who ever thought that we would get to do what we love <laughs> know, to do that was the best job being in ever. front of the camera and hosting <laughs> and being in, in that space, but actually get to talk about the things that we love yeah. and be ourselves. And so I just think it goes to show like where we've come and mm -hmm. where the industry has come because you know, we're now you can just be like, 
well, exactly. fine. You don't want to accept me. Like, I don't have to be exactly. in your world. I'll go do my own thing mm-hmm. and still like fulfill the artistic, creative side. Yeah, of and me. it's you build relationships, mm-hmm. and your relationships are basically how you get future work. Yeah. So once those relationships are established, it doesn't really matter who you are, like what you say publicly. I mean, it does matter, I guess, what you say publicly. But like, if you can mind yourself well mm-hmm. and you don't misrepresent anything, like I feel like you know, people want to work with you. Yeah. And ultimately at the end of the day, and you guys doing this, obviously, you know, it's the production world as well. You spend a lot of time with the people that you do, like we work with in mm-hmm. production. You want to make sure that you like being around them. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that's what it comes down to. Because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> that makes for a very long day. Yeah. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you're not, you know, if you don't really have that connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it, more and more, maybe social media allowed us to be more open. I mean, I remember growing up and before social media became a thing and nobody talked about politics. Nope, never. Like that was just not a conversation that nope. you had. And it wasn't ho- as overtly yes. hostile mm-hmm. if you didn't agree with someone. Of like course. you could agree to disagree and just move on. Yes. And I think that's, I hope we can get back to that place yeah. again where we can still, you know, be friends. I mean, I look, I have a lot of people that I know in entertainment, unfortunately, that maybe not only don't agree with me, but they're so hard-lined about that that I've lost friends. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I mean, I, I I have people that I thought I was very close to, and I'd go and i look, and I'm like, oh, great, they unfriended me. Uh, for whatever reason. I posted right. something that they didn't like, mm-hmm. and it's like, I mean, okay. that's just so sad. It's sad and, and yes. kind of just, it's really, silly. you yeah. know, it's just like, come on. Yeah, and maybe in the beginning, it might have bothered me a little bit, because yeah. of course, like, you, you, everybody wants to be accepted for who right. they are. Like nobody wants to feel like they're, you know, the, like they're being dismissed or, or anything to that effect. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you have to be true to who you are. Mm-hmm. And even if that means losing people, I mean, there's people that have lost touch with family members because they mm-hmm. don't agree on things. Um, I like to think that a lot of us on the conservative right don't behave that way. We're, we're much more open to at least having that discussion or like you saying, agree to disagree. It's fine. We can be very, you know, we can be very easy going about it, but I, unfortunately, I don't feel like we always get that in return. No, No, I I don't think I've ever unfriended somebody on social media. If I don't like your post or I don't like, I can completely hold my own opinion and disagree, but I've never unfriended them. I'm like free to be you. Yeah. I'll scroll on past it. Like, Exactly. We don't agree. It doesn't mean anything, but like you, I mean, I've lost lots of friends over, you know, yeah. my, my stances on things. And so be it because then I've gained a lot of friends that mm-hmm. are even stronger friendships from, you know, just being me right. and not worry well, about it. And I think too, I mean, I like to think that a lot of people that I've been sort of friends with over time, I've seen even their opinions change on things based on current events mm-hmm. where they might've thought or said something in one situation. And then, you know, I kind of stay out of it. I let them, like you said, you be you. And then all of a sudden something happens that they go, oh, well, maybe I do think differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know like when I was in New York, basically when they were having a lot of the riot situation, people that I knew that were very anti-gun were suddenly calling me going, you know what? I'm rethinking this. I'm seeing that the police, the response times are not mm-hmm. there. I'm, I'm fearful for my family. Like I want to be able to do something for mm-hmm. myself. And now all of a sudden they they're having a completely different perspective. And sure. I think that we will start to see more and more of that. Yeah. I know even with the recent shooting, like yeah. that's a great, you know, I, unfortunately these life events that are occurring, these, these, 
stories that are making national news, they're heartbreaking. But at the same time, I think we're learning a lot from them mm-hmm. and people's opinions and attitudes are changing because of them. Well, that's actually what we wanted to right. talk to you about today. So we had a guest on last week. Uh, we had Grant Stinchfield on and we were talking with him about uh, what just happened with the Greenwood Mall yeah. shooting and really wanted to get your perspective as a firearm instructor about how, I mean, this is happening mm-hmm. more and more. I yeah. mean, we're hearing about it. While it did happen in the past, like, I don't know if we just were hearing all the time about it, mm-hmm. unless it was like a school shooting, but now it just seems like we're hearing more and more about it. And we're yeah. getting more women that are coming to us and they're a little bit more fearful or wanting yeah. to start being more prepared when they leave their house. Mm-hmm. How is that changing your training? I, I kind of want to talk about, because this is such an unbelievable case study here on this (laughs) this guy we're talking about a guy 22 years old who pulled out a handgun and in 15 seconds at 50 yards took down a shooter 10 rounds Mm -hmm. eight shots hit him yeah how much are you doing that type of training with the women that come to your courses it's funny i so i actually uh started i mean i myself as like as the student and i think it's as an instructor it's always important to always remain the student as well, because Mm -hmm. there's always something more that I can learn. And even in my own personal training, uh, you know, for me, I had done scenario-based training and we were using what's called like UTM or simulation Mm -hmm. rounds. And essentially those are rounds. They're, they're not lethal. Um, they are filled with almost like, um, a soap, like powder soap Mm -hmm. substance. And it's just for marking, you know, as, as it hits land. But basically what it does is it helps you train in that 360 degree environment, because that's the other thing too. Like most people, when they train, they go to a range, they have a static, you know, target that's downrange. It's in a very controlled environment. You're only shooting downrange. And you're not really having to think about all the other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the with the mall situation, you're dealing with a 360 degree. So you have people all around you. And from my understanding, like not only did he take action immediately and jump to it without thinking twice, but at the same time, he was also directing people to safety, which is, I mean, for someone who doesn't have a police background, doesn't have a military right. background, that's really remarkable. And from what I understand, I don't know the full story, but from what I understand, he had basically, you know, his grandpa taught him how to shoot. Now, I don't know what his grandpa did. I don't know if what that level of training was. I don't know what the conversation or the mindset mm-hmm. was. But the fact that this this kid, I mean, Jesus, I mean I'm 46. So right. to me now, I'm like, no, I'm like 20, 22. No, 22 as a kid. Like, That's a young, come on. young yes. man. And for him to have the wherewithal in that situation to not only take that action, but to be so precise. Now, yes, people can, I'm sure there's going to be people on the other side of the conversation. So, oh, well, he had two flyers, basically two rounds and yeah. didn't hit the target. 100%, I get that. And when I train people, I always tell them, you are responsible mm-hmm. for yeah. every round that leaves your weapon. So, you know, this the story turned out great. It was amazing. His performance was spectacular, given the fact that he was a civilian <laughs> who acted instant instantly but at the same time like you know yeah it could gone a different way if those two shots had landed with an unintended target but i think at the end of the day what the more important story is is that he didn't and he took action i mean i gotta say when i train people i usually tell them like look in my in my book from for the average shooter for the for the person that just goes and trains once in a while 25 <laughs> yards is yes. kind of like you're maxed out. Most most ranges, most you know ranges that you would go to like a handgun range mm-hmm. are about yeah, 25 right. yards. Generally speaking, the average person does not train past 20 yards with a handgun. Rifle yeah, different right. story. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this kid, I mean that that is some good and shooting. And that fast. That fast. 
under duress. We're right. not and, talking. And, and like, we're talking about like that fast, but it's like, we're, you were saying, you know, when you're at the range, your, your mindset is already like, you know, you're at the range, you're going to be shooting. He's walking through the mall. Who knows what he was yeah. there doing? You know, I need yeah. to run an errand. I need to pick up a gift. And then all of a sudden within like hearing what was oh happening, able to respond that fascinating, not just physically, but that connection of sound to mind, to yeah. telling your, to being able to process what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And make sure he got his shots on and took care of what he needed is a, it's to me is on a, on another level mm-hmm. that none of us no. I feel are actually truly training at. And we don't know what his training is. Like we've talked, we talked about that with Grant, like who is his trainer? I hope, like, it, I hope we get yeah. more information. I hope this uh, yes. guy starts to give interviews and yes. he can talk. He's probably, he's probably in some litigation, not litigation necessarily, but like he's probably yeah, just not, sure not that, talking right? a whole lot right this course, second while they, they figure all this stuff out. And but, we talk about it, but I think this is, this is where that type of simulation training yeah. is so important that we need to be adding into our lives mm-hmm. as people who are going to be concealed carrying because it, it, it completely changes mm-hmm. your reaction. It changes. I think your mindset, it better prepares you to understand in the, Oh shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I was not ready for that. I was not because we, you know, we've done the simulation training before with NRA and it's just, and and even the ones that we did with Dom, like when he had us like in the dark, Mm -hmm. it it is a complete mindset shift that no matter what, like I've said, I need to be, it's not realistic, but I need to be doing, I need to be doing this every single day. Well, and talk about how important is the type of firearm that you're going to console carry in order to even be accurate at 50 yards. Well, that's it. I mean, I I don't know. I know he used a Glock. I don't know. They I haven't really read anything if they said specifically which one or what caliber. But I mean, I I think too. Like this this kid is basically going up against a rifle. <laughs> I would say there's so many things about this story that are really remarkable, and just really say a lot about whatever his like whether he's just naturally a very good shot mm-hmm. or the other thing too as I and it has to do, a lot to do with someone's mindset, but like his ability to have such composure. Mm-hmm. And probably so calm and collected despite the circumstance. And I think that is something lots of training can help to mm-hmm. make you comfortable and can make you proficient. But having that mental stability yeah. to be that controlled and comfortable and confident. Because that's the other thing too. Like I, I tell people that, look, you have to decide. You have to be self-aware to know where your comfort level is. Sure. What you are capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Most people, I would tell them, do not engage at that distance, not with a handgun, because Mm-mm. most people yeah. probably won't be able to perform to the level that he did. That That's just the true story. So you have to be aware enough to know what your comfort level and also what your circumstance. Uh-huh. If you're at the mall and you've got you know two or three kids with you, how are you going to be able to safeguard not only yourself, but your children and then also take action? So you have to know what your circumstances mm-hmm. He was there with his girlfriend. It sounds like she also jumped into action. From my understanding, she put a tourniquet on one of the victims. Like, oh, I didn't hear that. This this couple, this like, couple, wow, they're that's awesome. asset right there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like they. She what? had a tourniquet. Whether they used a tourniquet or they used a makeshift okay. in the field, but they were. But she, still, she, she stepped in. The, she yeah. stepped in, and yeah. I mean, so it's it's wow. They they obviously this is not. The first time that they've thought about the what if situation. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think well, that's a really is important. Is there something, do you, okay, you're going to a movie theater or you're going out to, to eat. Are there, and even I'll ask you this too, yeah. like, are there mental things that you do on a regular basis that would put you in that mindset or prepare you to say, okay, like, do you take a, a breath and a beat 
every time you go out to eat or to the movie theater and say, if this were to happen, here's what I would do. Like just to prepare yourself. Not, not a f- I don't think I do a full kind of mental planned out, but I am doing things that are like, where are my exits? Yeah. Kind of where am I sitting in relation to the exits? Kind of making those type of notes of like the kind of people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm not running through, okay, I'm here. What am I going to do if this happens at that time? I do think about that in my daily life, mm-hmm. but not as I'm about to go to the movies mm-hmm. or, or go to eat. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a, a combination of that. I think it's like you said, exits, like wherever your safe egress is going to be like that. I think that's important for anybody, mm-hmm. whether you're at an event, you're at a movie theater, you're at a dinner. Um, I tend to always be someone I like to have, like, I like to be facing yep. the doorway. I do not want my back to the door. Yeah. Um, especially like, you know, if, if, I was someone that was kind of wanting to be just oblivious or not wanting to engage, like maybe it wouldn't be an issue or I wouldn't think about it. But the fact that like, I am somebody who wants to see what's happening at Mm -hmm. any given time. Yeah. Making sure that your back's not to a doorway that could potentially be a Mm -hmm. threat. Um, you know, and then having conversations in advance, even with my husband, like, all right, you know, he, my husband loves the what if game to the point where it almost gets somewhat irritating. Cause it's like his what if games go to like the world just imploding and we're, it's like, I don't know where there's hope, but you know, it's while it's, you know, kind of funny sometimes and we laugh about it. Cause it's like, we take it to the extreme it's good exercise, but yeah. it's a very yeah. good exercise yeah. because we don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And I think it's, it's important whether, you know, and I, we always talk about this too, like self-defense isn't always just about the firearm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much that goes into it. Like in this, in the mall situation, Yes, the guy was armed and it was, I mean, it was brilliant because it, I think their constitutional carry mm-hmm. just went into effect July 1st. So like, <gasps> it was like that. so recent that they allowed yeah, for that. that. Wow. But okay, so, does it not also irk anybody? Like the reports were coming out that this guy was sitting in the bathroom for an hour with multiple firearms. Yeah. How did he get them into the bathroom with nobody seeing him? How because there, no one there, in the I assume there hasn't been any video footage released. No, right? so yeah. these are my these are my questions. Even like people's cell phones or in, I mean, uh, yeah. there probably has. They've all been probably right, taken like, down taken, or, right. um, or at least you know retrieved right. for for prosecution. I mean, obviously, like at this point, it's, it's we know what the situation is. But um, I think from my understanding, he maybe had a backpack. So it's possible that he had field stripped them where they were just basically, you know, not in so many parts, but, sure, but enough to where he just would go into a stall. He can reassemble. No one would probably know the difference. Um, I don't know if the hour, in, I mean, it doesn't take an hour to reassemble a firearm. So my guess is that there was a lot of psychological, like playing in the mm-hmm. mind of whether or not he's going to do. I mean, I don't know. I, all I know is that they said he was recently uh, evicted from his apartment or he just got noticed that he was being evicted. So I don't know if that plays into it. Um, you know, obviously the kid is young. He's 20 years old. That, that's equally as, as a child. Yeah. The thing that I'm really curious about, because this, I think will have, it will say a lot about, um, you know, our hero of the story, but when the shooter emerged from the bathroom, I'm very curious, like, how far into the food court did he get? Was he in the threshold of the door? Because mm-hmm. the thing that what's fascinating to me about, you know, the hero in this situation is that shooting at that distance is difficult enough, yep. especially with a handgun. Shooting a moving target yep. at That's that right. distance <laughs> right. is the other thing. And I'm wondering if, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if the shooter, if the, the bad guy, if we will, um, if he was standing in the in the threshold of the door, he's kind of in what's called like the the fatal 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 funnel. So 
he doesn't really have a lot of area to go left and right. My my understanding is he did like originally he he retreated into the bathroom. But before that occurred, you know, he's probably standing static, which is I mean that in all the circumstance, that would have been the most ideal because it at least allowed our hero of the story to be able to to engage mm-hmm. that target without a lot of lateral movement. Mm-hmm. Because most most people, if you're not law enforcement or military, you don't you don't train shooting and moving. But mm-hmm. honestly, like as as the civilian, as a, as a person, that's the type of training you should be doing. Right. Because if that is the case, if that kid was standing still in the threshold of the bathroom. That was his first mistake because it basically it allowed Dickon to actually engage that target without it being a moving target. So again, I don't know. I haven't seen footage, yeah. but I'm very curious because if it's a moving target, that's a whole other challenge. Like right. it's, we that's, said, that's what I, I had brought that up with Gary. I'm like, how did most of us are standing there? We shoot, we take one shot, we assess, right, and, and yeah. breathe, we line up again. Yeah. That is boom, 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 yes. ten times in a row, hitting him eight times. Yeah. If he's moving, are you kidding me? Like, yes, I, there's, there's just so much that I think. And once yeah. we get through whatever is happening, legality with them and whatever yeah. they're trying to do with the the police and the situation, and video eventually starts to emerge, I think there's going to be a lot more conversation yeah. and assessment and education on what was done, how how yeah. was it done, what could have been done better, or what shouldn't have been done. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing I'm hoping comes out of this that I, I actually love, I was reading an article that they were talking about, I think it's Simon, it's it's basically the uh, developer that runs all these yeah. malls. They yeah. have properties mm-hmm. all over the place. And obviously, like, so... I heard a crazy story on The View, apparently, they, oh, yeah. were, they came out saying, oh, well, he wasn't legally care. He was legally care. Like, he's allowed to constitutionally care. So that's the law. Yeah. The policy, yeah. which is not law, the policy of the mall was, you know, apparently no weapons. However, that didn't seem to stop the bad guy. Right. So there's well, that. It never does. It never does, yeah. right. And what's interesting is that the the... I think was the CEO basically of Simon Properties had actually, when, when the reporters had asked, yeah. well, like, how do you feel about that? He declined to comment. My hope in these situations that they realize the stupidity of these policies mm-hmm. that they think are safeguarding their clientele. Mm-hmm. And I hope they realize that it truly is when the mm-hmm. good guy has the firearm that that can actually make a difference. Yeah. I mean, how many times you go to the mall and no offense, but like the mall police, police officers, well, yeah, they're not exactly. armed. So right. what would they have done in that situation? They would have had to wait for local law enforcement yeah. to arrive. The fact that this kid didn't listen to the policy of the mall, even though he was legally lawfully allowed to carry, that actually was the thing that made all the difference in the world. So yep. I'm hoping that a lot of these establishments will start to mm-hmm. see that and maybe redraft some of those policies that they yeah. have. Well, if you know, b- before we wrap up and go, what are what would you say? Like, if someone's coming to you and they want to get like the top three tips of like, say, hey, I want to practice this. Like, I yep. want to be in the best situation that I can be if this were to happen to me at the mall. What would be your top three things that you would tell them? This is what we're going to work on. Yeah. Right now, and then obviously you build on that, but like, where do we start? So I would say, number one, um, check your local, like local ranges, find out who the trainers are in the area. If you can get into that scenario-based training, that's key because you'll realize in those moments how fast things escalate. People don't realize that. They they, they watch movies and you're like, you think you're going to anticipate, right. sure. but when something catches you off guard, most people either like they have the flight or fight mechanism. Mm-hmm. So either they freeze 
before they take action. You don't know who you're going to be until you get into that right. moment. So scenario-based training, super, super important. Um, a lot of places do offer it. And like I said, I think that is a very eye-opening experience. Um, the other thing is I would say, you know, training under duress. So a lot of classes that I've even taken myself and even some of what I've been training for other people um, is get your heart rate up. You know, do some like like do a quick run, do some jumping jacks, get your heart rate up, see how that affects your ability to shoot. Because once you become out of breath, you're fatigued, you're basically exacerbated, you're trying to get air. All these factors will affect how you shoot. And if you're if you're only ever going to the range and just shooting in a very nice, sweet, controlled environment, Mm -hmm. you will never know what that's like to shoot out Mm -hmm. of breath. And when you're anxious, you're yep. going to be out of breath. Well, I think too, he didn't have ear pro, eye pro. Like, so no. the noises <laughs> even amplified even yes. more. I mean, wow. This is yes. crazy. And that's the other, I mean, I wouldn't, I would never recommend like training <laughs> without, ear pro. without your ear pro and eye pro. But there, yes. there is something, um, it, it basically your body is kind of a, a a strange mechanism. So when you are that focused, um, there's studies on this where the blood flow is so focused, your eyes are what's bringing in your information. That's how you're assessing what's happening in your world. The blood flow goes to that region. And what's crazy is a lot of times that first shot, although we might think, oh my gosh, it's like, it's, you know, deafening, literally, they don't even actually hear it. Now, subsequent Mm -hmm. shots, it's very possible that you're your brain will start to tune Once in. Once it catches up, but right. But that first shot, sometimes you don't even hear it. But I think at the same time, it's like you have to also know that in those situations that that will be a very real situation that you're going to get in where you might have you know, some hearing loss temporarily. Most of the time it won't last forever. But these are real things, and mm-hmm. you're not going to be used to that. Mm-hmm. So I think you know the other thing is that mindset. Really, besides the scenario-based training, really thinking about what you're willing to do. Mm. Um, also think about what your situation is. Know your own proficiency level. Know what you're comfortable doing. Know your circumstance. If you're with family that you feel like you can't you can't direct your attention to something other than your family, which I totally respect, it's okay. Um, but you have to know what your limits are. Right. And if you feel confident enough, and, and also, you know, the other side, unfortunately, is that you have to know that, again, every round that leaves your firearm you are accountable for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there could be a situation, unfortunately, where if you have an errant round that does hit an unintended target, while you may not be charged, um, you know, on a, on a criminal mm-hmm. level, on a civil level, civil level, you might be. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's unfortunately, that's yeah. part of you taking action. Yeah. You know? So good, Brie. That. That was amazing, amazing tips. Now that you're here in Dallas, we're going to have you back on the show again all the time. But briefly tell everybody where they can find you and find out more information about what you're talking about. Sure, sure, sure. So I'm on all the social medias. Um, uh, Tactical NYC is is my Instagram. I'm on uh, Are you going to change that to Tactical? Yeah, I need to be Tactical. I know, I know, right? (laughs) Well, it's funny because I obviously I was never thinking I was going to leave New York when I came up with my handle. So now I have to rethink that because, you know, I... It's very true. I mean, now we I'm, can and, come up with something very good. For well, you. and it's funny because I get a lot of calls. And I've, all of a sudden, now I'm getting a lot of calls for more training, but they're all in New York, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, I just left, and they're, and they're all like, Congratulations, <laughs> don't be sorry. I love it. Um, so yes, and then I have a website, uh, tacticalinc.com. So all of those areas, and like I said, I I love when people reach out and ask me about gear or needing information. Um, if I'm not in your area, but you're looking to find training, I'm always happy to help. Also help source some quality training just from the circle of, of people that I know, because. 
because I feel like, you know, a lot of times people don't know where to begin, yeah. but you have to begin somewhere. Yeah, so exactly. Absolutely. Well, no, thank you so much, Bree. We can't wait to have you back on the show. And thank you guys for listening. And until next time, we'll see you. Not Your Average Gun Girl Show and its related companies, Alexa Athletica LLC and Stami Tactical LLC, shares information that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. A reminder that laws vary for each state, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Any items, services, products, and advice mentioned during the Not Your Average Gun Girl Show should be used at your own discretion in accordance with your local and state laws, and you should follow applicable manufacturer's instructions. Not Your Average Gun Girls, Alexa Athletica LLC, and Stami Tactical LLC cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared.